This is It's Like This podcast with your host, Dr. Eugene Kim, a dual board certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. If you want more understanding and control on mental decisions and options in your life, this podcast might be for you. By providing fun analogies, real stories, and empowering messages, I want you to have the tools to live your best life and thrive. In this episode, we're going to be talking about anxiety. This is something that I personally struggle with all the freaking time. Uh, one time I tried to bring my family to camping trips. Um, it was my husband's first camping trip ever. So we got there a little bit later than I expected. And I was frantically trying to start the campfire and get this campsite set up before the sundown. And I know that I had two young kids, so I knew that it was going to be a nightmare. My husband, seeing me struggle with so much anxiety and in my freak out mode, he stopped me to remind me that this is our first camping trip as a family and let's try to just enjoy each moment. And that's what anxiety does. It always leaves us living in the future and prevents us from being present with our loved ones. And I know that process of anxiety is draining not only for the person affected, but everybody around you. So I'm here sharing this mental health burden and conviction with you. You know, whenever the pastor says in church that this particular sermon was, you know, especially very close to his or her heart, this topic of anxiety is very close to my heart. I struggle with uh, perfectionisms and what ifs and preparing for the worst case scenario. You know, in one aspect, this kind of mindset got me far in life, but very quickly it got control of me and I lost control over my life until I started my own mental health journey. And I just want this podcast to make you understand that you're not alone. You and I are doing this together. And the whole point you know, going back to previous episodes is control so that you can use aspects of anxiety that is healthy and helpful, and you can lose the aspect of anxiety that's crippling and draining. So we're going to be looking at anxiety as a process, like four-step process and how it starts to grow. And I'm going to be using some analogies throughout the episode. My purpose for this episode is so that we don't think of anxiety as this like untouchable problem, but to understand it and to actually know that there's some good, you know, beneficial aspect of anxiety and what is not so beneficial. So anxiety is not a new modern, you know, millennial concept. It actually dates back into even 460 BC in a collection of green meta- Greek medical texts called Hippo- Hippocratic Corpus. And in this um, text, they were talking about Mykonor's phobia, like Mykonor's affection. And it was particularly, he had a phobia to a flute girl in a drinking party. And there was a pattern that he would freak out and he would have a sense of terrors whenever he heard the flute. And it only happened at night and not during the daytime. And that these symptoms persisted over a very long period of time. 
So this is a historical text saying that anxiety and phobia was a medical disorder. You know, nowadays I hear anxiety be used in an accurate way or sometimes inaccurate way to describe how they're feeling. So my hope is that we can kind of clarify our understanding of anxiety and how it progresses in our life. I like to kind of break down the steps of how anxiety manifests into four steps. Number one is a trigger. Number two is threshold. Number three is response. And number four is compensatory behavior. So number one, the first element of anxiety is trigger. And most of the time, these are sensual triggers as of um, five senses, you know, seeing, smells, hearing, and touch, and taste. Or sometimes it could be your memories that could be functioning as a trigger. And the part of the brain that collects all these senses is called thalamus. And thalamus collects sensual evidence of threat and start to process it and understand what does this new evidence mean for us. So for example, let's say that you're walking in the woods and you hear the rustling of the leaves and you see the two ears poking out of the bushes and you also see that they're hairy and they're brown. You start to smell an animal nearby and you wait and see and you see that it is a brown bear in the forest. Now thalamus is going to collect you know, what you saw, what you smelled, and what you heard into a complete assessment of a threat. Now, second element of anxiety is threshold. Now, threshold is different for everyone, and also threshold can change over time for an individual. Now, what do we mean by threshold? So imagine if you're driving for the first time, right, and you never held a wheel before. When you get into that car and you start the engine, your threshold for any sense of threat is so low as of any car on the street, any car, even if it's two miles away, sets off that anxiety because your threshold for sense of threat is very low, right? And you get anxious easily. You get nervous easily. You're spastic. You, you know, stop and go, stop and go. So your threshold of anxiety or sense of threat is very low when you first start start driving. Now, as you get experienced, you know, you could be very close to the next car, but it doesn't set off, you know, the anxiety response. So at this point with experience, your threshold for a sense of threat is very high. So I want you to kind of take home that threshold is different for everyone. And that threshold can change over time, especially by experience or exposure. So now we're walking in the woods. We see and heard and smelled the bear. And if you're a zoologist and you know how to handle bears in his natural habitat, you might not feel as threatened as a person who never saw a live animal that's bigger than a puppy. So depending on the threshold, let's say that at this point, if I was walking in the woods and I saw brown bear, I would be pretty freaked out, right? And it sets off the third element of anxiety, which is called response. Now, when I say response, I'm talking about 
a natural response called fight or flight response. Now, remember that thalamus collected all the senses to have a complete assessment of sense of threat, and it passed the threshold. And now you're going to response. So thalamus is sending off signals to hypothalamus and eventually adrenal glands to make your body respond to the threat. Now, some of the ways that this changes is is your heart starts to pump faster, your lungs starts to expand, your muscles are gearing up, and the blood supply, which is a source of resource for different organs, start to rearrange themselves. So that the blood is going towards essential organs to survive, like heart, lungs, and it starts to draw the blood and resource away from non-essential organs, such like stomach, you know, liver, and your intestines. This is also true for people who got in a car accident or very traumatic event. Your fight or flight response is going to be able to help you. Have that adrenaline running so that you can get out of the burning car or burning house. Now it leads to the fourth element of anxiety, and I label this compensatory behavior. So if you can imagine running away from a bear, it's not a walk in the park. It's not a picnic. And if you can imagine, you know, traumatic events like car accidents or house fire. Or even social traumatic events like getting bullied or getting yelled at by your boss is never fun. So because it wasn't fun, and it was actually pretty dangerous, our mind and body try to preserve our life and prevent unnecessary chaos. So first example is hypervigilance. Let's say that you got yelled at by your boss because you didn't do the Excel sheet for this year's finances just right. You're going to be always looking out for. Possible reasons why your boss will yell at you again. Then you start to think, you know, is your are your coworkers, you know, talking about you? Are they reporting to your boss? You're always gonna be on the lookout for possible another episode of your boss yelling at you. The second example could be avoidance. You're avoiding anything that will resemble a trigger or situation like the past. So you might quit your job. You might stop showing up for work. You might start to actually get sick. Or you might avoid dating a person who resembles your boss who yelled at you. The third example is mind racing. You could be thinking about all these reasons why your boss could be yelling at you in the future, or you could be thinking who's closest to the boss and who do I need to avoid? What are the worst case scenarios? You know, can I get fired or can I get put on leave? You know, this is example of mind racing. And the fourth example is hyperarousal. We are always on edge to be prepared for any future traumatic episode. So, for example, if somebody is saying hi to you at work, you might be very irritable and you might be really grouchy because you don't know who to trust. And you might see every colleague as your enemy because they might be on the boss's side and not your side. So you're always on edge and ready to attack or defend yourself. So these are compensatory behavior that gives us a sense of control by trying to minim- minimize the risk of running into another traumatic event. So I like to kind of just stop and remind you that these are the four elements, four steps in anxiety, and how it manifests into our lives. But I also just wanted to bring back the point that the point of anxiety, and in, even in this process of compensatory behaviors. 
is natural and is needed for us to survive. It is not bad in itself, and we need to appreciate the intended function of anxiety and fear in our lives. I think one of my friends that said that、um, picky eaters has like an evolutionary benefit because they don't eat anything, you know, that was given. And this is kind of true here. People with anxiety have this mechanism built in that helps them survive, and so there is an evolutionary benefit to、um, anxiety. And also because we are relational people, sometimes the anxiety, you know, mechanism that we have not only helps us to survive, but people around us. So, for example, people with anxiety, you know, like to have. A very secure retirement funds, and who benefits from the retirement funds? Probably their spouse and their kids and next generation to come. So sometimes anxiety is very beneficial to people、uh, who has anxiety and people around. But there's a difference between anxiety and anxiety disorder. And here we have to kind of step back and look at the pattern of how anxiety is taking over someone's life and their family's life. And how it is affecting their level of function in different areas of life. So we have to look at the pattern and the severity of anxiety's presence in somebody's life. And there is a criteria for anxiety disorder. So, for example, that person with a good retirement fund, if they're obsessed about you know having more and more money in their retirement fund as a security blanket and is taking over, you know. Their mind space. All they talk about is affecting their marriage, their role as a parent, their job. That is kind of catering towards meeting the criteria for anxiety disorder. So it's not the fact that anxiety itself is bad, but how much anxiety is controlling over your life. Now I just like to pause here. Now, if you're a person with anxiety like me, you might have a sense of feeling hopeless. Or maybe feeling alone. Maybe I'm a freak. You know, like oh, how how can I let myself let this problem go? And I want to kind of describe the patients with anxiety issues, just to let you know that you're definitely not alone. Okay, so patients that I see, including myself, with anxiety problem, often feel alone in their endeavor to be prepared or to protect themselves and their loved ones from future inconveniences and pain. They feel very tired and drained from what their mind and body tells them to do day to day. You know, to do list, to be prepared list, never ends. Anxiety often steals their moments of peace and joy and mindfulness, not only from themselves but others. And patients with anxiety problems often feel tricked or surprised by new threats and new pain and new inconveniences. You know, they spend so much time thinking of all the possible what ifs and all the worst case scenarios. And when life just happens again and throws another lemon, they feel so surprised, and it spirals down to another anxiety attack. And patients with anxiety problem often feel hopeless because they can't do everything or be everything for themselves and others. And patients with anxiety problem often live in the future, not in the present. So I just want you to know that I'm able to see these patterns and how anxiety affects people. Not only because I have issues with it too, but I've seen plenty of people who share that they don't want to be this way. And I know you don't. And I know that this is why you're listening to this podcast. I just want to make aware if there is any 
hesitancy in getting help. Anxiety not only affects you, but those around you. So in summary, it's like this. Anxiety is not a millennial or modern concept that just, you know, exploded in the name of pandemic. It's been here for ages, thousands of years, and it has beneficial component to it. Anxiety and fear helps us survive. And I explained that there's four kind of steps or four components of anxiety and how it grows. And first was trigger. Second was threshold. Third was response, the fight or flight response. And the fourth was compensatory behavior. And there are ways to differentiate when anxiety and fear becomes an anxiety disorder, a clinical diagnosis. In the next episode, I'm going to be breaking this apart and further explore how anxiety becomes an anxiety disorder. So there's two components out of the four that are most problematic and most dynamic ones. And then we're going to be asking you some good questions to start your journey, gaining control over your anxiety. So I hope you join us to the next episode. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for allowing me to share my mental health journey and struggle with anxiety. And I'll see you again next time.